You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Brown Sugar, which came out in 2003, was directed by Rick Famuyiwa. It stars Sanaa Latham, Tay Diggs, Mos Def slash Yazin Bey, Queen Latifah, Nicole Ari Parker, Boris Kojo, Sterling K. Brown, and Wendell Pierce. The genre would be romantic comedy. Dre was going his direction. Yeah. I want to show you something. Oh, my God. Sydney was going her. Dre, man, cook for me. Did you actually see him cook for you? No. He's running game on you and his game worked. That's good coffee. Mm. Let's have sex now. Let's. Me and Dre have been through a lot together, so yes, I love him as a friend. Maybe the fact that you're that close bothers me. We've been through everything together. You never thought about hooking up. Don't punk out like I didn't punk out with Sydney. You did. All I did was respect her wishes. Sound like some punk logic right there, man. Are you sure you want to do this tomorrow? Yeah. I want to marry, um... Reese. Yeah. I want to marry Reese. I got two words for the world. Be prepared. I got three words for your girl. Don't, Don't be scared. scared. So when it acts with a real hip-hop, it's over here. Tay Diggs, Sanaa Lathan, Most Deaf, Nicole Ari Parker, Boris Kojo, and Queen Latifah. <laughs> Good rom-coms are always a tricky thing to pull off because you need to find that balance between respecting the key tropes and not just drowning in them. Just over 20 years ago, director Rick Famuyiwa directed one of the better ones by achieving that balance and by sticking to the fundamentals of the three C's of the genre. I'm just making this up right now. They are concept, casting, and comedy. And if you think that sounds easy, it is definitively not easy. Because from a story standpoint, what you basically have here with Brown Sugar is a hybrid of When Harry Met Sally blended with Jerry Maguire, set in the world of hip-hop. That's the concept. And on paper, there are loads of potential landmines for a movie like this to walk into, which Brown Sugar generally avoids. Not only that, but the screenplay, co-written by Michael Elliott and Fama Yua, does more than just use the hip-hop world as a backdrop but adeptly treats the appreciation of hip-hop as a running theme for both leads. Especially Lathan's recurring voiceover, as Sid, writing about the music for her book, constantly poses the same question to everyone she interviews. So, when did you fall in love with hip-hop? The movie kicks off with a clever montage of famous rappers from Common to Dougie Fresh providing their own personal answers to that question. But of course, this question develops into something for both leads, which is about much more than hip-hop. Take a wild guess what it is. Just when you think you know everything there is to know about hip-hop, it finds a way to surprise you and remind you why you fell in love in the first place. Now, secondly, the casting is pretty spot on. Yes, this was peak era Tay Diggs, who could often look impossibly handsome to the point where you could not always buy him as a real human being. But as Dre, the record company exec who's looking to scale things back to the, quote, roots of hip-hop, he gives a full-on engaging performance as someone struggling to let go of the past on several fronts. That's this. <clears throat> Simplicity provides a fine line between eloquence and plainness. 
That's a dope line. And I know LL didn't think he was that deep. That was my first published article. I can't wait for your book to come out. When you left, I went out, got the L.A. Times every Wednesday for your column. I'm going to go to the park and read it. I don't know. It made me feel closer to you. And this is nothing against the beautiful Sanaa Lathan, but she at the very least has always seemed more relatable. Her hip-hop magazine critic slash editor, Sid, is kind of similar to her character from Love and Basketball, which came out two years prior, along with just about every other rom-com heroine from this time period. Yes, you know, the hyper-focused career woman who just can't seem to find the time for romance in her life. But unlike other tropey characters around this time, Lathan plays her as someone who is fun-loving, still loves her work, and amazingly is not prone to pratfalls. Yeah, that was an overused trope for the female leads. The day I saw Slick Rick, who went by Ricky D back then, Dana Dane and Dougie Fresh battle in the Bronx was the day I truly met hip-hop. Little did I know a year later, Ricky D would join the Get Fresh crew and record the hip-hop classic, The Show. And of course, the B-side, Lottie Dottie. Dana Dane would drop a couple years later with his classic, Cinderella. Little did I know how much hip-hop would be a part of my life. Hip-hop was as young, naive, confused, sometimes innocent, and sometimes as mischievous as I was. And as I grew up, hip-hop grew with me. Diggs and Lathan have strong chemistry on screen, to the point where just about everyone else around them notices it off the bat, including their respective spouses slash boyfriend-girlfriends. Both Nicole, Ari Parker, and Boris Kojo have kind of thankless roles on paper, but are at the very least portrayed with some sympathy and depth, especially Parker playing Reese, who is an admitted flirt even before marrying Dre early on in the story. Her character is given some nice grace notes towards the end in one surprisingly effective scene at a billiards bar when she and Dre officially part ways. And if you're going to have sidekick slash Greek chorus characters to play alongside our two romantic leads, you could hardly do better than casting Queen Latifah and Most Def, who are each pitch perfect for these supporting characters. This might have been Most Def's first on-screen appearance, and he's just a kick to watch as a cabbie slash aspiring MC trying to flirt with Latifah's Francine at a party by relaying that he liked her food, by saying, And the food was tight, too. It was tasty and which brings me to the comedy. And while no one could refer to Brown Sugar as left out loud funny, it has its share of well-executed comedic moments throughout, especially with one running subplot relating to the hip-hop duo whose aggravating success finally drives Dre to quit his record label gig to go independent on his own. The duo is called Ren and Tin, who nickname themselves the Hip Hop Dalmatians. <laughs> and their latest single is The Ho Is Mine.
The tone of this movie remains light throughout, possibly unrealistically so, as relationships do start to complicate. But that's okay, because we generally like both Sid and Dre, we enjoy spending time with them, and of course, we're rooting for them to be each other's, quote, The perfect verse over a tight beat. Perfect verse over a tight beat. Now, as to whether you find that expression to be cheesy or poetic, well, mileage may vary, but for me, it just works. Brown Sugar definitely remains one of the good ones. Which brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Because music is essential to film. And boy is it here. Because as you might expect, this movie has a kickin' soundtrack. That's what the kids are saying nowadays, right? Kickin'? Sure. Filled with loads of catchy hip-hop and soul from a variety of all-time acts from the past 30-plus years. On the pure soul side, you have songs from Erica Badu, Mary J. Blige, Jill Scott, and one of my personal favorites... A jazz vocalist who I was positively obsessed with back in the 90s, even saw her in concert twice, the legendary Cassandra Wilson, straight out of Jackson, Mississippi. And we are talking legend here. Since the early 90s, she has been a featured artist on the renowned jazz record label Blue Note Records, and has even performed vocals many times alongside a little-known jazz artist known as Miles Davis. Yeah. Man, it was just such a kick to hear her throaty contralto late in the movie during, well, you guessed it, every rom-com has one. Yep, it's the obligatory sad montage, featuring our two main leads now struggling to get on with their lives after they've had a dramatic falling out. While producing and performing many an original song over the years, Cassandra Wilson also excelled at performing some dazzling covers, including the track that we hear over this montage, which is a moving cover of the classic Cyndi Lauper ballad, Time After Time. But wait, there's more. This is a movie about hip-hop, isn't it? Well, on the hip-hop side, even though we hear some great stuff from luminaries like Eric B. and Rakim and The Roots, the rapper who leaves the biggest impression is, of course, one of its co-stars, Brooklyn, New York's own Yazin Bey, otherwise known as Most Def. Hey, wait a sec. Nothing from Latifah here? Yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. Anyways, Most Def's lyrical stylings are all over this movie, including performing three different versions of the title track, Brown Sugar. The true highlight for me, and I'm sure many others, as this becomes the track that his character and Dre try to push for the local radio station to play, is a three-and-a-half-minute track officially titled Brown Sugar. Fine. This one taking place two-thirds of the way through the movie as we cut back and forth between Dre and Sydney. We see Sydney living it up with her hot new NBA player boyfriend, played by Boris Kojo, while we see Dre pounding the pavement trying to promote his new independent record label and their one hot new act, Cav, who is played by Most Def, of course. Needless to say, this song just kills it on so many levels. It's playful, romantic, and of course, ridiculously catchy. One key element that makes it stand out so much is a recurring sample of a soulful ballad from 1979, Invitation, from Norman Connors, featuring the vocals of Miss Adretha. Yep, her gorgeous phrases are the ones you're hearing throughout the song. And since we are already doing a deep dive on this song, you want to know who produced this track for the Brown Sugar soundtrack? 
none other than Kanye West. Hey, once upon a time, he was just known for creating great music. Yeah, yeah, love, brown sugar, about to set it light. Yeah, yeah, yo, yeah, yeah, yo, yeah, yeah, yo. Just move my sock and touch it up right quick. Show me how Brooklyn do, you know what I mean? Listen, yo. Let's start it up. Let's get it flowing. Let's make a move. Let's get it going. I know it's feeling like everything you want, don't it? And you've been waiting your whole life for one moment. The next category would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Oh, and speaking of the queen, born Dana Elaine Owens, in case you were wondering, before she became Queen Latifah, why is she not in this movie more? And this was back in 2002, which was a big year for her as an actress. She received her first Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress as Mama Morton in the Best Picture winning musical smash, Chicago. I mean, I get it. Her Francine is the obligatory best friend, the sounding board for the female lead. Every rom-com needs to have one, and they can't always be played by Judy Greer. So Latifah does have a specific purpose for the story, which she serves, including delivering what might be the most quoted line of the movie. So if you two hook up, you get the best of both worlds. You get the buddy and the boo. <laughs> and she has one cute scene with most death where he tries to desperately flirt with her. But why not give them more towards the end of the movie? Or maybe another one later in the movie where she has a heart-to-heart with Sydney. Bottom line, you can never have enough of the queen. And this movie could have just used a bit more. Which brings me to the next category, the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Roughly halfway through, we get the great scene between our two leads. Dre has just spontaneously quit his job at Millennium Records and has come to his best friend Sid for advice on what to do next. Cut to a beautiful day outside in Central Park, I think, with the two of them just casually sitting on a park bench next to each other, but leaning on each other's backs, reminiscing about hip-hop. I met this girl when I was 10 years old. And, and what, what I, I love uh, most, she has so much soul. <laughs> she was old school when I, I was just a shorty. She never knew throughout my life she would be there for, for me. me. Yeah, man. See, that's why I write and don't write. <laughs> for real. That song reminded me of us. It does? Yeah, back in the day. You remember that feeling? Just how hip-hop used to make you feel? This is just a near-perfect scene in how it's shot, written, and performed. Beyond Diggs and Lathan having such strong chemistry, it's just sweet to watch them go through not only their shared interests, but how they have a mutual understanding of each other and what each other's looking for. Bottom line is that for the rest of this movie's tricky plot to work, we need to buy them first as friends who genuinely care about each other and enjoy each other's company. And this scene just nails that. Especially back then, it was so real, it was like air. You remember how you felt the first time you heard the bridge is over? Oh. The first time? Yep. That was real. Ooh, or um, you got to chill with the, uh, uh, the sophomore the so- skate party. <laughs> <laughs> Benita Applebaum, uh-huh. that was a tight one. Mm-hmm. And Paul Revere. Oh, I used to love that. See, now that beat was tight. Mm-hmm. We see always. Yeah, man, it came with it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have that feeling no more, you know what I'm saying? And the final category would be the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. 
This is just a genuinely well-crafted movie on all levels, including the cinematography from Enrique Shediak, whose IMDb is actually sneaky good over the past 25 years for a lot of standout genre films, which I really liked, including 127 Hours, Boiler Room, and the underrated Repo Men. This movie actually looks better than most rom-coms, and it's paced better than most rom-coms, thanks to the fine work of editor Dirk Westervelt, who has become a strong collaborator for one of our most consistent mainstream directors of recent years, James Mangold. They've worked together on Logan, Ford vs. Ferrari, and the upcoming Indiana Jones sequel. And of course, the music is top-notch with a diverse soundtrack, which seems more designed to maintain a feel and flow for the story than to just sell records as a tie-in. So really, at the end of the day, with every key contributor genuinely contributing their best work for a small $8 million rom-com, what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that this film had a strong filmmaker at the helm, pulling it all together, treating this as more than just a forgettable genre vehicle, but a genuinely thoughtful movie hoping to transcend its genre. You know, cinema. When you look back at 2002, the year that this came out, the rom-com market was just booming with several successful ones. But wow, when you look at this crop, you see mostly lazily written, flatly filmed, generic ones, which could all easily blend together when you watch them back to back. And my apologies in advance if any of these included are among your personal favorites. Sweet Home Alabama, Made in Manhattan, Two Weeks Notice, and I'm going to hold my nose on this one. How to Lose Your Guy in 10 Days. Yeah, that was a real movie with real actors. (laughs) But Brown Sugar stands far above those films for a variety of reasons, but one big one being that its director did not treat it as a generic programmer meant to soft-sell the date crowd. Now, this is not to say that the film is realistic, because it's not. (laughs) But there's TLC devoted to the story and its characters. It respects the audience. And for that reason, the MVP is director Rick Famuyiwa. My rating for Brown Sugar would be four and a half stars out of five. Yeah, this was just a fun rewatch, and I love that soundtrack. If you're looking to watch this with a special someone or just on your own, doesn't matter. It's just an excellent film. Check it out. And if you're looking to watch Brown Sugar, it's currently streaming on Prime Video, Hulu, Peacock TV, and Tubi. And that ends another fresh review. Special shout out to my lovely wife, Marlene Gershon, for producing this podcast, and to my lovely daughter, Ella Gershon, for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. You got to give it to me. You need to give it to me. You better give it to me. Give it to me. Brown sugar, leave the ground sugar. Observe the way how we make it sound. Cut up like you got to give it to me. You need to give it to me. You got to give it to me. Brown sugar. Lick your lips to it. Work your hips to it. Steady rocking like this. Damn, baby.